Scripture this morning comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, if you'd like to follow along. So then, let's, run the, let's also run the race that is laid out in front of us. Since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let's throw off any extra baggage, get rid of the sin that trips us up, and fix our eyes on Jesus, faith's pioneer and perfecter. He endured the cross, ignoring the shame for the sake of the joy that was laid out in front of him and sat down at the right side of God's throne. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. We're all in this together. For those of you who are somewhat familiar with the Disney Channel, this song may ring a bell because it's part of a song, High School Musical, a, a musical that Disney Channel put out a few years ago. When Katie saw the sermon title, she decided we needed to play it in church, which I don't think we're going to. Sorry, Kate. But, uh, and that's mainly because the words be running through my head now for the rest of the sermon and I'd be distracted um, because it's that catchy. But this morning when I think of the phrase, we are all in this together, I think of it through the lens of a post-Easter people, of a post-resurrection people as we are communicating and living the gospel as it's been given to us through the Easter morning. As we are brought together by the empty tomb of Jesus Christ, a tomb that signifies the grace of God, a tomb that reminds us of the power of God, a tomb where God chose to demonstrate His love for each of us by reversing death and demonstrating His power over all things. It's a tomb in which we pause much like the women did as we read last week from Mark chapter 16, it says they came to the tomb that Easter morning and they were forlorn and downcast and they approached and the stone was rolled away and the angel told them, Jesus is gone, He is not here, the one that is crucified has been risen and He's gone. So you need to stop, look, and then go. See, the women came that day to the tomb and they paused. In fear, in grief, in amazement, whatever emotion you want to put on it. And they gather, and they looked, and then they went. And in going, we ourselves follow in the footsteps of the women who were there first. The first to be charged by God to carry to others the greatest message that the world has ever received. A message that these three in Mark's Gospel were charged and told to share it to the world. If you go and look, or we can go look in the book of Acts, and in some of the epistles, and we read a story of how this message of resurrection and truth and hope and life was carried by the women into the city of Jerusalem. And then we read about how it was radiated outward. See, I see the concentric circles around Jerusalem getting wider and wider. As the apostles went, and as they told the world and as other individuals that aren't named in the Gospels in the book of Acts, took this message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ to others, and they spread it to other cities and towns and regions, some of them that you and I have listed in the Bible and know about, others that we don't. But we know that the message was taken 
outward from Jerusalem and it spread to Rome and to Ephesus and to Corinth and to other cities and towns. See, it's in this line that you and I receive this message this day. The message of Jesus Christ and His resurrection. It's a message that offers hope to anyone that hears it and who chooses to receive it. It's a message that has changed the face of the world. Families, it's changed communities, it's changed individuals. All because of God's work. The miracle of the resurrection. It's a message that the New Testament or the Gospels says redefine who we are in relationship with one another. If you'll remember with me in the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is teaching and the crowds are following Him and Jesus returns to Capernaum. And the Gospel says that there are so many people following Him that Jesus and the disciples were unable to even eat. Because there were so many people, there was so much need, there were so many requesting time of Jesus and requesting attention of Jesus. And so Jesus' family comes to take him home. Some, scripture, or some translations say because they feared he was crazy. And Jesus refuses to tell those, or to go with them. And he tells those who are gathered there that his family is not just those related by blood. But family instead is defined by those who profess their faith in God and who seek to make the kingdom of God a reality. See, if you read that scripture on its own, without looking at it through the resurrection, Jesus comes off as kind of harsh, doesn't he? Towards his family who have come, maybe out of, out of love and concern for him, maybe out of concern for his well-being. Either way, they're there, and Jesus says, no, I'm not going with you because I have a different family now. See, but if we read it through the resurrection in which God redefines who we are as a people, who we are as a people that come together, who we are as a people that move forward in faith. See, then Jesus is sharing a message of promise. That because of the resurrection, God has made you and I one. Because of the resurrection and the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ, you and I are made a family a family that is formed by our shared faith and our relationship with Jesus as we join with others in this walk. This morning we read from a letter written to the Hebrews. We don't know if it was really written to the Hebrews. Scholars assume it was. About 200 A.D. it was given the name Letter to the Hebrews. This is a letter that's written to an unknown group of Christians in an unknown time by an unknown author. So I'm glad we have a lot of details to go with today. Some have attributed the authorship of Hebrews to the Apostle Paul, which is traditionally what I've been taught and I'm sure you have heard as well. Others say it's a secretary or a disciple of Paul, so a secondhand witness. Others claim authorship could have been Apollos who we read about in Acts chapter 18. Martin Luther, who, who caused the Protestant Reformation, believed that this letter was written by Apollos, and others believe Priscilla and Aquila, that you read about in Acts chapter 18, verse 26. If we attempt to think about who the target group is for this letter, it's probably the Christian community in Rome or Jerusalem. 
It was probably written between 60 and 90 A.D., although some want to say 80 to 90 A.D., because the author specifically talks about how Jesus is the new high priest who replaces the, the rite and the ritual of what happens in the temple. Which would make sense that this author is saying that if it was indeed written in this time. Because in history we know that the Romans destroyed the temple in Jerusalem at 70 AD. And it was razed to the ground and it has never been rebuilt since. And so it would make sense that this book is telling Jewish Christians who are now hearing and receiving this gospel of faith and truth and who are being tempted to go back to the ritual of their faith that they grew up in where this author is saying, no, Jesus is your new high priest. He's the one that they follow. He's the one who gives you life, so focus your eyes on Him. Focus your eyes on Him. In any case, without knowing who wrote it, to whom it was written, or much else about it, we read a letter written by a Christian who likely was Jewish in their background, who had knowledge of the Greek and their philosophy, and who is able to articulate in such a wonderful way a letter of encouragement for those who were facing temptation and persecution and challenges and opposition to their faith. The author encourages them by reminding them of the men and women of faith who faithfully served God in the face of their own persecution and trouble. If you turn in Hebrews chapter 11, that entire chapter talks about people who went ahead in faith. It talks about Moses and Noah. It talks about Sarah and Abraham. It talks about Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. Moses. It talks about the people of Israel as they trusted God and crossed the Red Sea. And about how they circled the city of Jerusalem in faith, or Jerusalem, Jericho, in faith seven times. It talks about many who provided and served as examples, even in their own persecution, even in their own times of trouble. And the writer of Hebrews says that they are people that we can look to. Names like Abraham and Sarah, Noah, Isaac, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, and many others are listed as those that in their time of hardship are people who still demonstrated a life of faith. They believed in God. They're to be commended for their faith, the Scripture says. They can be looked to by all of us who are on our own journey of faith. And so as we look at those who believe and acted and do great things for the Lord because of their willingness to believe, they become part, as the writer of Hebrews says, of the cloud of witnesses for us. A cloud of witnesses that you and I are able to draw upon ourselves and in our own faith journey. A cloud of witnesses who who face challenges, who face trials, who face disbelief. Yet they remain faithful. They remain true to God. And they allowed God to use them in their lives. And so it's in their experience 
that you and I can grow in our faith and share it with others. As we draw from that cloud of witnesses and then the own, our own cloud of witnesses in our own lives. Of people in this church that surround us with, with, with guidance and direction and encouragement. Of those who have gone before us and impacted us and guided us and helped to make us who we, who we are. See, the cloud of witnesses aren't just the people that we look to in the book of Hebrews that the author is saying, oh, look ahead, look back. And think about how those people demonstrated faith. See, we can look at that for ourselves. And I invite you to think about those people in your life that have been a witness for you. People that helped you to grow. People that helped you to come to faith. People that helped you to de- by demonstrating what it meant to live a life of faith in whatever profession they were in or when, on whatever path they, had, they were walking. No matter the hardship, no matter the trial, what we look to in people is their response in faith, don't they? Don't we? We look and see how they responded in faith in whatever situation they were in and trusted yet again in the grace of God. We look to those who talked and shared, who loved and who demonstrated their faith to us in a real way, in a way that helped us to grow, or maybe in a way that helped us to to pursue our own faith for ourselves. See, today we celebrate those that work in the church. But today we need to celebrate the cloud of witnesses that we serve to be for each other. For being a cloud of witnesses means that that we are not just spectators in the life of others, but we're participants in sharing with them. In this life of faith, in this experience that God has brought us together, in in this common uh, focus which is the life that we've received through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, each of us play a part in the lives of others as a part of their cloud of witnesses. We don't have to be someone who who has ceased living to be a, a participant in the life of someone else. As we demonstrate the love that God has given us, as we share our faith with others, as we show... And demonstrate our faithfulness in whatever trial or hardship or situation we are in. See, the author to the Hebrews listed people that were in various stages in their lives. And if you go back and read it later in chapter 11, as I read it, my mind immediately went to the different situations that I knew that these men and women experienced. And I was able to see how each of them were able to demonstrate faith even in the hardship that was before them. See, that's what we have to be for each other. People who demonstrate faith no matter where we're at, who choose to live a message of faith no matter what's going on, and to be a people who have a single focus, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ as we receive it, in His resurrection. As we are shared in this journey, as we're supported on this journey, we're all in this together. Amen.
This morning we'll be singing for our closing.